Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, in May 2022, uh, divers removed almost 10,000 kina from four sites in the Mulgra Sounds. They weren't feeling particularly peckish that day. It wasn't like that. It's actually a project that was led by a University of Auckland PhD student, Dallas Lafont, to uh, to study the impact kina are having on our marine ecosystem. So to tell us more about why the kina population is out of control and the impact it's having, Dallas joins me now. Kia ora, Dallas. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And what issues do these kina cause? I mean, how are they damaging the ecosystem? Well, obviously, like, there are Tonga species. They're supposed to be here. This is their home. The mm. problem isn't that kin are there. The problem is that they are out of balance. So what's happened is that their main predators, which include snapper craze and blue cod, are all being heavily fished. Uh-huh. And as a result of not having the predators around, we see their populations grow drastically. And then when there's more kinna, there's more kinna eating. And their favorite food happens to include kelp and seaweed. So that as a result, we're seeing this decimation of kelp and seaweed forests and this transition towards what we call an urchin barren. An, an urchin? A barren. Barren, of course, yeah. a barren, yeah. Now, is it a problem that's unique to the Marlborough Sounds? Uh, not at all. I, I'm focused my work on Queen Charlotte Sound, but it's an issue we see up in northern New Zealand. It's an it's there's a similar phenomenon happening at reefs around the world. It's a common dynamic, but with with urchin species, obviously, besides just kinna. Yeah. So the really the only answer is to stop the fishing. Is that what you're su- suggesting? <laughs> well, but it's kind of a complicated and problematic question and an answer obviously fishing is a large part of both industry and culture around here it's a big ask for people just to flat out stop i think the answer is is going to be a compromise that involves discussion and work from a lot of different parties and a lot of different opinions coming together so with the kelp disappearing what uh, what issues does that create Well, I mean, obviously kelp are a very important species. We, I mean, specifically in Queen Charlotte Sound, we know from aerial photography, previous studies, and anecdotal evidence that a lot of the barren reefs that we see today used to have kelp and seaweed. So part of it is about restoring a balance that used to be there. And these kelp forests are very ecologically important. They can be these nursery habitats sheltering new generations of fish. They create this three-dimensional structure, much like how trees do in a forest. And it just becomes this home and shelter for species that you wouldn't find otherwise. Mm. They help create these very productive, vibrant ecosystems that just support so much life. Mm. So you picked some sites uh, in the Marlborough Sounds to remove the kina and see what would happen. So can you tell us how you chose the particular sites that you, uh, you did choose? Um, certainly. For our study, we picked four sites across the sound. In particular, we were looking for reefs that had 
that were rocky reefs that had substrate that we would expect kelp and seaweed to normally be able to grow on. And we also wanted to sort of cover a range across the sound so that we could account for any other environmental issues such as temperature and water motion and um, available light mm-hmm. that might affect it. And so how did you go about the, the, the process um, of removing them? Um, so we worked in um, consultation with um, Tatiawa and um, Te Tiahu Iwi Fisheries. Mm-hmm. I apologize for my pronunciation. That's fine. Um, and we got permission to go in and cull the canna off of these reefs. And it's important to kind of to, just to be aware that when we go in and do this procedure, as a function or just like as part of these kind of living on barrens like this, because they've eaten all the kelp that would have been there, there's just not any food left for them. So they're not in as good a condition as you'd normally expect. They're skinnier and they're not any good as kai. Oh, really? So you can't, they're not edible? And, and I mean, did, literally, did you send people down, what, divers, or how, how, did, how did you do it? Yeah, we had a team of divers that went out and spent the better part of a week going down and manually culling the canna, yeah. Ah, and the quality was not good because there's a lack of food for them. That's extraordinary, isn't it, the food cycle? Goodness knows. So once they were removed, what happened next? From that point on, we kept, we've been returning about once every three months just to sort of touch up and maintain the removals because they kind of can still come in from the surrounding sides and we don't want that impacting what we're seeing. And we've been just ongoing monitoring any natural recovery that we've seen. And ultimately, we found it can have a really big impact on kelp and kelp recovery. Mm-hmm. Since we've removed them, we have seen kelp returning and growing. And in particular, at one of our sites at the northern end of the Sound, what used to be a barren is now a forest with tall, gorgeous, giant kelp, along with other native species that have all grown back naturally. So does it does it regenerate uh, quite quickly? Um, relatively speaking, yes. So the recovery we have seen Sites where we've seen the best recovery, that has happened within the course of 18 months. Right. Great. And I do think that there is still more recovery yet to happen. I don't think we've reached the end point yet, but everything we've seen thus far has been really encouraging. But I understand Kina do move about quite quickly, so the danger, of course, is that they'll just come back because there'll be a food source for them again. So how do you prevent that happening? Um. Well, like you said, it's they do come back in and they reinvade. So while we've been really excited about our results so far, it ultimately is a temporary measure until we address the underlying issue, which circles yeah. back to that having those key predators to naturally keep the kind of imbalance. Yeah. Well, you're going to keep this uh, process going, and uh, let's hope that uh, we can have that discussion and uh, make some changes, eh? because it's pretty sad if that happens. Yes. Thank you so much for, for chatting with us. Uh, Dallas, appreciate it. Not at all. Thanks for having me. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. In. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.